0: But the key piece is that when people are forced to, you know, basically protect themselves from being excluded, being looked down upon, being undermined or whatever it is, all of that energy that should be going into doing their work is going into self-protection.
1: Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Elizabeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, her sisters and brothers. I'm so thankful that I have Dr. Helen Ofosu here with us today from Canada and i may have just botched her last name but we'll find out together in a moment and go ahead and giggle from home because i sure would if it were if the, the roles were reversed <laughs> so anyway i was excited to hear from dr helen because she's done some pretty amazing work in the field of psychology and business psychology specifically She is a Black woman, uh, and I bring this up because her business is largely based on helping give diversity and inclusion coaching. A lot of times we find in workplaces that uh, there are mandatory trainings so that People in the majority, typically white people, depending on where you live, but that people can go to so that the business can check off a box saying, hey, you know, we sent all of our employees to diversity training. We're done. We're proactive. Let's not talk about this anymore. But really, my own experience, even as a manager for a long, long time, is that people need a little bit more information to know how to work together Well, when we're in a diverse economy, when we're with people of different races, orientation, um, backgrounds from different countries, all of those things, we need a little bit more help than that. And studies have shown over and over that businesses flourish when people have the right tools to be the appropriate team. And in fact, diversity does provide better businesses. I mean, just absolutely, the more diverse your work team, the better and more successful you're going to be. But we don't always know how to work together and play well at the same, uh, in the same sandbox. We don't always share our toys well and listen to one another empathetically and, you know, forge those dynamics. So I am really excited that she's going to be here to talk to us about her work, about her forthcoming book, and about life in Canada in general. Not only, let me see if I can read her, Uh, she is a work and business psychologist. She also is a Zonta member. For those of you who don't know what Zonta is, you're not alone, but I was a Zonta member at one point a former Zonta member, and proudly so. This is an organization that helps empower women and children. It's worldwide and over a hundred years old, and she has a high rank in Zonta in Canada. So yay! I'm so happy to have her, and I'll introduce you to her in just a second. Don't forget we have a tremendous backlist, lots of other podcasts you can listen to, more than a hundred, And you can always find me at lameredith.com, become a patron. If you want to work a little closer together and, you know, have a a little stronger connection to support the podcast and my work. And in general, you being here is a huge support. So thanks for being here. Love always to hear from you. And I appreciate it. Dr. Helen Ofosu, thank you so much for being here today and talking with Listeners of persistence, you all the way from
0: Canada, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited for this conversation.
1: Oh, I think it is such an important one, and I really, really am glad that you're here today. Um, you coming from Canada, me being in Tennessee, but one of the things that I love so much about when I was reading your profile and asking you to be on the show is you do very important work in workplace coaching, but Your degree is in psychology. Before we get into the work that you do, I introduced, I gave you a little introduction before, but I'd love to hear how it is that you came to do the work that you do and then got the right credentials to do the coaching that is so important that helps all of us in in workplaces where we're navigating relationships where the norms have changed.
0: Well, you know, I wish I was one of those people who knew from day one what I was going to do. But to be honest, I am what I sometimes call an accidental psychologist. I love it. I was at university and I really wasn't sure what I was going to study. So I was doing a general science year that should allow me to pivot into whatever made sense. And so I was looking for an elective. I needed something to kind of break up the chemistry, biology, physics and math that I was taking in first year. So I ran into an old friend, somebody who I'd known since childhood. We were at the same university. He was a year ahead of me. I had known him from summer camp. We were campers together. We were counselors together, all through high school. And I said to him, Tom, I'm looking for an elective. And he said, you should take psychology. It's going to open doors for you. That's how I even... You know, wow. dip my toe in, in the uh, the field of psychology. And I loved it. And uh, I ended up getting a BSc. So I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't have to lose all of that effort on those other courses. What's a BSc? So how, um, yeah, Bachelor of Science in oh, Psychology. Good. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. So that's how it started. And then, you know, I had a good experience in university and decided I wanted to continue and do something after my undergrad. And I was always torn between pursuing an MBA because I'm interested in business, always have been, or doing organizational psychology. And in the end, you know, partly because of deadlines being earlier for psychology and uh, also deciding I wanted to be one of few rather than one of many, I ended up pursuing organizational psychology or officially industrial and organizational psychology. A huge mouthful. And I did a regular job for a while using, you know, using a lot of what I learned in school, focusing on things like um succession planning, um, career development, uh, creating, uh, you know, processes for hiring managers and um, leaders to use when they're hiring people. But after a point, it just, although I had some good experiences after a point, it started to feel too limiting. And it might have been the context because I was in the federal government. Yes. And that's yes. not always yes. the most, you know, it's a great place to do lots of things, but you don't lead with, um, you know, you don't start by saying the federal government's creative. Right. That's not what they're known for. They provide important services, but. That's right. You know, but more solid standard things rather than out of the box things so as time passed and I had an opportunity I decided to hang my own shingle and although it was great I learned very quickly that you can be great at your work but if you're not great at business you're not going to survive
1: right you will starve
0: (laughs) yes you will starve yes
1: And so then how did you get to the work that you do now? That is so, that makes sense that, you know, one little brick, you laid down one little brick, it led to another thing, another, you're starting, but.
0: Well, how I got to do what I'm doing now is that, of course, I got very good at helping individuals in organizations uh, in terms of at least succession planning and um, leadership development. Good right? Kind of fast tracking certain people so that if they have good potential, they can have some extra coaching, some mentorship, uh, access to stretch assignments so that they can come along pretty quickly and kind of fast track through the ranks. So that was all good. So when I started my own practice, I still was doing some of those things. So helping organizations with hiring, Um, But instead of doing leadership development in big programs, I was doing it one-on-one with private coaching clients.
1: I love that. You could get really honest with private coaching clients as opposed to a consultant with a group of people. I, I feel like people are more receptive in that environment.
0: Well, that's it. We're on the same team. I just want them to be happy and successful. Right. Find roles that suit them. And help them, you know, really reach their potential.
1: I love it. okay. fantastic. And then how is that gone? And, and, and you know, just tell a little if you have a success story or a story that's pretty compelling that you want to share,
0: let let us know. Well, you know what? the early years they were tough because of course, I was good at what I did, but nobody had ever heard of me aside from people who were I already knew. And all of those people, well, they were employed and very happy doing what they were doing. So I very quickly realized that I needed to put on more of an entrepreneur's hat. Okay. So I joined a business networking group, and that made all the difference. It helped me to learn from other entrepreneurs, helped me to get some ideas about business development, uh, made me realize the importance very early of social media so that's that's the thing that I think made all the difference. And I got to tell you, I was so relieved and so thrilled when I reached a point where I was earning double what I was earning in my previous job. Yeah. So Fantastic. That, that, was, that was something because, you know, it was really hard at the beginning. I didn't know if I was going to make it or right. if I was going to have to go back and get a job. And I was a single parent when I started. <clears throat>
1: Yes, everything on your shoulders. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: really important that you succeed. And what a great role model you're able to be now, you know, because your child or children Mm -hmm. have been able to see from ground up.
0: Well, that's it. And I think one of the important lessons was that sometimes it's not good enough to be smart, you have to work really hard. And I only have one son. Thank goodness we get along. <laughs> but, you like him, <laughs> but he learned that you know what successful people have to put in a lot of effort, right? Right, and especially during the pandemic. Well, he had no distractions because there was nothing going on, especially in Ontario where I live. We had very extensive lockdowns, so when yes. he was finishing high school and starting university, he was totally dialed in on school. And he's worked super hard and thank goodness is starting to pay pay dividends for him in terms of scholarships and other opportunities.
1: Oh, that's so exciting. So exciting. So when a person, so you know, when a person is owning their own business or, you know, at at, at a place at work where they feel like they need some support and how to navigate issues of inclusion of you know all of tell us what all you include and how a person would get a hold of you as a coach to start the work so that they can learn be open and learn get support and and make a difference
0: well i guess the easiest way to get me is through my my website okay the dot it's just a shorter url than my my primary business And the truth is that even if they're not looking for me in particular, I think an important consideration is, does your organization offer professional development? Like, do they have an annual training budget? And if they do, then reach out to people who you think might be able to help you and offer that professional development. I didn't know that existed until I was kind of getting close to being on my way out the door of my, of my last job. So that's a smart way to do it because it allows you to, you know, make progress at work, but not fund it out of pocket. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And any, any things that you want
1: business owners to know about the importance of the work that you do? Cause I think so often as you and I talked before, uh, as supervisors, sometimes people are so focused on just getting back to the work, that they forget that we're more successful learning to work together in a diverse workplace than we ever are just having a meeting once a year to push people forward in an annual training on diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know?
0: Well, that's it. And for me, I think the key pieces are the inclusion and the belonging. Okay. Some years ago, I came across some work done by Deloitte. And it was called, uh, it was a report about something called Covering at Work. And the gist of it is that there are a lot of people, almost 67% of the workplace, is covering up something at work that they think is unwelcome. It could be a woman in STEM downplaying their femininity. It could be a member of a pride community who's downplaying their identity or their orientation. Could be a Black person um, trying to get get away from anti-Black racism. But the key piece is that when people are forced to, you know, basically protect themselves from being excluded, being looked down upon, being undermined, or whatever it is, all of that energy that should be going into doing their work is going into self protection. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, if people realize that everybody's human and Focus on what people can contribute and find ways to make it safe for everybody to contribute. It solves so many problems.
1: I love that. Everyone needs to feel welcome, included, and valued and not spend their energy trying to protect or to fit in or fly under the radar. Mm -hmm. It sounds like.
0: It's a lot of bandwidth. I mean, to imagine spending most of your time dodging uh, insults, dodging cruelty, dodging, you know, trying to avoid bullying or whatever. It's a lot.
1: Right. You can't work. Right. And, you know, my experience with meetings where you have an annual meeting telling people how to behave at work is no one wants to ask questions or interact during those meetings because they don't want to be the one that looks like the big buffoon. And so it isn't terribly valuable. It maybe checks off a checkbox, but it isn't terribly meaningful. And I think that's where coaching could make all the difference.
0: Well, coaching can make a difference for sure. But thank goodness, there's been a silver lining of the pandemic. Now we have some kinds, some all kinds of tools that makes it easier for people to provide input anonymously. So I don't want to mention the platforms because you know they're not. They're not sponsoring you. But there are uh, platforms that allow people to use a smartphone or a tablet or just a computer. And when questions are asked, they can type their answers or respond to polls. And it's without attribution. So it's a good way to get a sense of what people are thinking without, you know, people having to feel shy about being the one who says the thing that everybody knows is kind of the elephant in the room.
1: Right. Right. I like that. Thank you, and feel free to share any links you'd like to. And speaking of, what then made you decide to write the book that's about to come out soon?
0: Yeah, well, that's another thing. Um, I mentioned earlier that I learned at some point during my my in my career as an employee that I had access to um, professional development, and I could use some of those funds for coaching. So I hired an executive coach, and you know what? He really was great. But he was quite a bit older than me and had, you know, he was former military and had a more general um, academic background. So he'd been a more standard leader in, in the organization. Okay. And also he was a married guy who had a wife who had stayed home and taken care of the kids. So in many respects, that was very different from my experience as a recently divorced woman a black woman in a predominantly white organization and somebody who had spent a lot of time developing some expertise in, in psychology. So I was a subject matter expert. So there were certain things that, you know, we just couldn't cover, but even though we couldn't cover those things, the basics were covered and it was a good experience. And it really helped me realize that maybe I should try entrepreneurship. So, you know, years later, after working with countless Um, executives and professionals, I noticed that there were certain themes that came up again and again and again, even for people who were very successful and very capable. So that's what this book covers. It covers 10 themes and challenges or setbacks that so many people face that are a little bit tricky to sort out all by yourself and don't really lend themselves to a quick Google search. (laughs) <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's so
1: exciting. And mm. what is the launch date? When is it being released?
0: February 23rd. So less than a month from now.
1: That's so exciting of 2023 for whatever person is listening to this. Yes. Terrific. So where can people connect with you, find more out about how to work with you and, and your upcoming book?
0: Well, all of my links are in my uh, my book website. Great. the resilientcareer.com. Love it. Um, from there, you can even find links to my, my main blog. So there's all kinds of free content as well. And all my Wonderful. social links. Yeah.
1: Okay, thank you. That is so fantastic. I love and I wanted to correct something as I introduced you when I was by myself. You have been very involved in Zonta, an organization that's worldwide that empowers women and children. And now you are a friend of Zonta, Uh, probably not much unlike me. So that's great work (laughs) that you've done. I love it. Thanks so much for
0: being here today, Doctor. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
1: I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, Go ahead and subscribe, and I'll see you next week.
0: Proud member of the Podnougan Network.